I'm Alex Mito. And I'm James Milley. And this is The Artist Business Plan, your favorite weekly business podcast for artist entrepreneurs, hosted by Superfine Art Fair. What's going on, business artists and art entrepreneurs? Welcome to The Artist Business Plan. My name is Alex Mito, and I'm the CEO and co-founder of Superfine Art Fair, the most widespread art fair for artists in the United States. We're also a business resource for all things art, artists, and marketing art. And next to me is James Milley. Say hi, James. Hi. Superfine's other co-founder and our managing partner. We're here today with Marina Granger, the founder of the Artist Advisory, an educational platform for career-minded artists, which has helped dozens of artists brand themselves better, advance their careers, and sell more art. Welcome to the show, Marina. Well, thank you so much. I'm so excited to be your inaugural guest. <laughs> we're, we're glad to have you in a little inside track for all of you. Marina has her own podcast and she's been helping us navigate this a little bit. So we really appreciate that, Marina. It's my pleasure. So before we get started, Marina, I want to ask you something to help our audience get to know the real Marina. What's the earliest memory you have of art? And did you realize then that you'd be dedicating your life to art and artists? That is such a great question. I have this very vivid memory of walking in to the Metropolitan Museum of Art. I must have been seven or eight years old. I remember thinking, who decides what's hanging up on the wall? And why is that stuff hanging up on the wall? Why are these things here? And that curiosity has been with me to this day. And that is really at the very core of why I do what I do. I love that. And I don't think you could have had a better answer to that question, but who decides what's on the walls at the Met, of course. And I had a similar experience, but it was a week ago. We went back to the Met for the first time. James and I are walking in this exhibit that's like a mixture of like really contemporary work and then gold swords from a thousand years ago in the same room. And we're like, who curated this? This is really cool. What's it about? Like, where does it come from? So it's so neat that that was your early experience. And that does belie the fact that you are a New Yorker, Marina. And it is a beautiful day here in New York today. And we're just across the river from you in Dumbo, Brooklyn, and you are over in Manhattan, which is great. Yeah. Yeah, I'm on the Lower East Side. And, you know, just recently, it's been such a wonderful thing to be able to visit the museums as they start to open up after the pandemic, although we're still, I think, in it. I just went to the Cloisters and I thought, how blessed am I to live in this city that has so much culture? Even when I take my dog out for a walk, I can take her into an art gallery, which is right around the corner. It's just so cool to be here. Yeah, and we feel the same. And that's, you know, that's why we all love living in New York. Even now, during the pandemic, I mean, people are seeing New York. They're like, oh, wow, how are things there? It's actually really nice. We're really getting to know our cultural institutions to get to know our city a little better. It's been wonderful. You know, obviously, there's a lot of downfalls to the pandemic, but living here has still been great. And we all do love it. So, Rene, a few years ago, you started your own entrepreneurial art business, the Artist Advisory, and that's a huge step for anyone. Can you talk about any kinds of self-limiting feelings you might have had when you started out and how you overcame those? Absolutely. So, first of all, just a little bit of background. I worked in the New York City art world for 
close to 15 years when I came up with the idea for the artist advisory. I was a gallery director for many years. And while I worked with some amazing people, I also noticed that there were artists who were getting the runaround and they weren't getting straight answers. They were not being treated as well as other players in the art world, like collectors. And so I really thought, hey, you know what? This internet, it's really democratizing the art world. Artists can get in front of anyone and everyone. And so that's really at the core of why I started my company. But one of my biggest self-imposed limitations, so to speak, was the sort of imposter syndrome, which I think a lot of artists and a lot of people suffer from. Uh, It really stemmed from, hey, I don't think anyone's really done what I'm doing before. I haven't heard of a real, you know, guidance counselor for for the art world. There are artist coaches out there, but there was no one really that helped me create what I do. I just came up with it based on what I saw. This sort of imposter syndrome was really challenging me. And then I looked around and thought, hey, I'm surrounded by so many amazing experts like yourselves and like the many people I've met along the way in the art world. And I thought, well, if they care what I'm saying, if they think I'm not an imposter, then it's okay. And that's how I overcame it. And one thing that I tell artists who come to me and they feel like they are imposters is I say, if you feel like you're an imposter, then you know what it takes to be the real thing. And if you know what it takes to be the real thing, then guess what? You are. I love that. You know, I love that you confront an imposter syndrome. I think that's the number one thing that holds people back is thinking, I'm not meant to do this. I can't do this. And like you said, even having that feeling, you know what it feels like so you can be the real thing. I think that's incredible. Knowing that there is someone out there that does see you as an expert and sees you at what you're doing as important and quality allows you to grow and really make something your own. I also really like you did this as an entrepreneur helping artists, but this is something artists face frequently because by their very nature, artists are doing something no one else has done before. So getting over that imposter syndrome is key for anyone, an entrepreneur or an artist. So on that note, you're, you're bringing this mantra to artists that's like, you're an artist, you're a brand, and you have to treat yourself like one. And I imagine that resonates with a lot of artists today, but what would you say to the ones who are like, no, I'm not a brand, I'm just an artist? Why should they be treating themselves like a brand or a business too? Well, first of all, I'm so glad you articulated my mantra. I don't think I even have, but yes, that is exactly what I've been saying. You are all artists. That is who you are, that is what you do, but you can't create in a vacuum and you can't create for no one. So the reason that I say you need to know your brand and stand behind your brand is so that you can find people who are going to benefit from seeing your work. And the way that you do that is by creating the setting in which for them to see it. I like to compare this very crudely to a pair of shoes that might be for sale. Let's say you made a pair of shoes and you really want a certain type of person to buy them. That certain type of person happens to really care about 
affordability. Maybe they care about function and they just want something that is going to be good for them, but within the price range. Would you put that pair of shoes into a Bergdorf Goodman or a Neiman Marcus, or would you put it into a more accessible store? Would you put it into Bloomingdale's, for example? Now, I don't know where you all are, listeners, and if you have these stores, but you want to make sure that you're putting your artwork where it belongs. And that is why branding is so important. So if your work is more high-end, you want to present it that way too. You want to present it as if it has arrived already because that is how it's meant to be seen. Guys, these are the best advice bombs I've heard. You know, being able to visualize your art that way and putting it in the place it should be. We're talking about placement and positioning. So if you're already, your art is already there, position it like it is and place it in the right places where it reaches the people that need to see it. And I love that you said you're not creating in a vacuum. You are creating for an audience and getting it in front of them, I think is so, so important. I love that, Marina. So. One of the things I really love that you do in your social media presence, which is strong, by the way, and we're going to talk about our Instagram handles at the end. Marina, you create these really amazing, engaging Instagram stories that you share with all of your followers, which I see too. And I respond to your polls all the time. What are three of the ways, let's say like two or three ways that artists can up their Instagram story game and put Instagram to good use? Oh, I love this question. You know, I often think that stories are underrated. People really put all their uh, energy into creating these grid posts on Instagram. And stories are just so much more casual, so much more interactive as well. And so my first tip is to create an interactive story. So For example, you're an artist and you take a lot of time to finish a work of art. You know, we can tell because of the detail in the work. So why not post a detail of your work with a little quiz and say, how long do you think it took me to finish this? (laughs) Uh, I love that. How exciting. And on top of that, you know, the answer is an extreme amount of time. Your followers will start to really appreciate the detail in your work and see the value in that as well. So that brings me to my next point is you want to give them value in your stories. A lot of you artists out there probably already have some sort of curators or gallery directors following you and they're following you because they like your work and you want them to DM you and say, hey, can I do a studio visit with you, right? So the way that you can kind of get them to DM you is to show them the value in your work so that they can tell their collectors what that value is. I'm going to take a step back to the previous question and say, look, you are creating work that should speak for itself. But when we're on social media, we have such a short attention span that we want to be able to deliver very quickly. 
So what about doing stories that have maybe one line, hey, did you know that this fish means Jesus, (laughs) you know, or symbolizes Jesus or whatever in my work? (laughs) Um, I just thought of, you know, the first iconographical. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, or tell us a little bit about your work and make sure that it's kind of short. Uh, So every story is kind of like a register and a narrative and you can click through them pretty quickly. So, you know, just a quick, short bit of information. And so that brings me also then to my third point. Information is, you know, knowledge is power. And you want to know who is following you so that you can invite them to your next show, your next virtual exhibition, your next studio sale or whatever it is. And you can't just do that by relying on the algorithm to post about your event. You want to collect those emails. So my favorite way to utilize stories is to say, hey, I have an exciting announcement coming up and use the question sticker and say, submit your email to be added to the mailing list or to get the email about this to be the first to know. I love that. And and when you find that question sticker, there's a lot of really neat things you can do. You can also use location tags. There's so much that can be done besides the actual story panel. I also love yours, Marina, when you do a yes or yes proposition. Do you want to do this or do you want to do this? And you phrase it slightly differently. I think that's really cool. I think people could definitely take advantage of that. <laughs> but yeah, overall, I mean, I totally agree. Stories are really underused and they can really communicate your personality, help you sell to the people who might know other people who might want to buy from you as well. Really, really neat. And remember, knowledge is power. I know you're a perfectionist, Marina. We are too. We always want things to work out perfectly. And usually they do when you've got pros like us and Marina around, but sometimes you'll still face challenges. What has been one of the most challenging situations that you faced with one of your clients? You don't have to name names, just an idea. And how did you overcome that? What are some of the challenges a client has faced that you've helped them overcome? There are always kind of surprises when you're an artist. When I work with my clients, either one-on-one or even in a group setting, they always have a direct line of communication to me. And I make sure that I guide them through all of these surprises. But one surprise that I just want to talk to you all about, I had a client who was showing at a gallery. She has these beautiful paintings that are quite large in scale. And someone DM'd her on Instagram and said, hey, I really love these paintings. Where can I see them? She directed them to the gallery and the collector came in and said, hey, you know, I love these, but it's too big for me. And I think I'd rather commission her to make smaller ones just like this. Now, I knew that making smaller ones just like this, he was going to spend probably at least half of what that painting cost. And I know that it's too big for me is oftentimes code for, I don't want to spend that much money. So I helped this artist navigate this issue by saying, look, your prices are your prices. You don't want to compromise them. But these particular paintings, you want to move because of many reasons. So I explained to this artist, why don't you tell your gallerist your bottom line for these paintings 
meaning the gallery is working on a commission. So say exactly how low can this artist go and ask the gallerist if he would rather pay a little bit less for these large paintings that we know he loves. Not only did this client say yes to this discount that was offered, he on top of that asked for a commission of another painting as well from this artist. So working with me, she came away with not only a big sale, but a commission as well. And that is a result of having your fingers on the pulse of your market and just knowing exactly where to shift. Yeah, absolutely. And I think with your market, when we say your market, right, it's your specific market for your work. And one of the best ways to really read where your market is, is to see what your buyers are willing to pay. Obviously, you're going to have that crazy low baller come in and you're going to have, you know, that one, you know, your dad's business partner comes in and spends way too much for something, but you're going to see a general trend over time and being able to react to that and move in real time, like what Marina is talking about here is key. And what you said about reading what the buyer's really saying, it's code for, I would like to pay a little less for this. We had someone on last week and they said, when you lower your prices a little bit, it feels good to sell art. So if you're selling out your studio and you're you know running behind and you need to keep making more art, that's a really good feeling and that's a good time for your prices to go up. But you kind of have to manufacture that and sometimes you have to respond to these situations. And it sounds like that's what your client did, Marina. Um, back in the day, we would always joke about how prices are really arbitrary. <laughs> And uh, they are in a way, (laughs) but in a way they are, but in a way they're not. And I think it's so important what you said, you know, once you're selling constantly, that's when you know it's safe to raise your prices a little bit, because that just means that the demand for your work went up. So you need to demand a little bit higher of a price. Absolutely. So on this show, we love acronyms. Are there any helpful acronyms you'd share with artists to help guide them on their entrepreneurial journey? I never thought of this as an acronym, but I have a method, which is a four-step method. Let's do it. It's four steps. Perfect. All right. So the first step of this method is to identify your intention. You need to know why you are making what you're making so that you know exactly who's going to want it and how to brand it. So intention. Identifying your intention. The second thing is getting very stringent with yourself when it comes to your mindset. Your mindset is so, so important because it really is where the where your self-worth stems from, where your confidence as an artist stems from. And if you are going to create something that you want to market a certain way and you keep telling yourself, no, 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 I'm not ready to go into Neiman Marcus right now. I'm just going to play the target route. For- <laughs> I love um, these store metaphors. These are great. I, I love it. You know, we're all consumers. No, I agree. (laughs) So I'm just going to play small for a while. That is the time for you to revisit your mindset and really let go of those self-imposed limitations. And there's so, so many of them when you're an artist, especially when you start thinking to yourself, well, you know, I always heard that being an artist was a really good hobby. And then if you were going to be an artist, you're going to be a starving artist. That is 
a big misconception. It's something that we have to program out of our minds because that is something that's been programmed into us by society from the very beginning. So I said intention, mindset, and then I have two more steps. The third step is presentation. You want to make sure that you're presenting yourself in the best possible way that's more most conducive to who you are and who your work is. Because, you know, if you're going to keep selling yourself short, you're never going to present yourself the way you deserve to be presented. So that's why mindset goes before that. Cool. And that goes for your website. That goes for your Instagram. And the way you write and talk about your work, the way that you present yourself and your work to the world. And so the fourth and final step is action. Your intention is clear. You know how to connect to people because you know what you're connecting, that your mindset is in a good place. And let me just say mindset, intention, these are things that are going to keep evolving just like your presentation. But once you have those three, that's when you can start taking action and connecting to these people, connecting to the world any which way to get your work out there and to fulfill your priorities about your work, whether it is to sell, to show, to grow a legacy, or all three. I love it. Starting with your intention, moving to mindset, and then your presentation, how you present yourself, your website, your Instagram, everything you do, your, actually your booths at art fairs and shows that you hang And then at the end of it all, taking the action and following through, that's a huge one. And in our experience with Superfine Art Fair, we have artists, they get there to the fair and, you know, we prepare them and everything. And then they're there and they're like not ready to actually connect with people and actually do the work of selling. And then also after the fair, following up, connecting with people over time, we always say that is so, so, so important. So really you can't miss any of these steps. It's in order, intention, mindset, presentation, action, impa. I love it. Impa. Impa. Cool. <laughs> awesome. So that's a, that's a good seg to our last question here. To wrap things up, I just want to ask you about a subject that's near and dear to our hearts, uh, art fairs. What are some of the positive results that the artists that you've worked with who've participated directly in either Superfine or other art fairs that are for artists out there, what have they reported back to you that you've heard that's exciting? You know, first of all, I got to say, there are artists whose careers are launched at Superfine. There are artists who I've met who for, you know, years thought, oh, I can't do this. You know, maybe I won't be able to sell and I have to stick to my day job that I don't really love. And then they do Superfine and they're done with their day job. That brings me so much joy and it's such a pleasure to see. So that's one thing I want to say about Superfine. And it's not just artists, it's galleries. I know that you have had galleries who they're very, nobody would give them, I I hate to say it this way, but they're, you know, it was hard to break in for them into the main art fairs. And they use Superfine as a stepping stone. And I saw them at the major art fairs the next year, Mm -hmm. which is freaking amazing. So that's one thing. And the third most exciting thing about Superfine (laughs) is I really love the panels that you do. They're so accessible. They're, you know, the people who are on the panels are really, really smart. 
and you're not afraid to ask them questions, which is so cool. Because when you go to some art fairs, it might be a little bit intimidating, uh, but it shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. And the most exciting thing is that artists get to be right in front of the collectors. They have this intense connection. I know I always tell artists to collect emails. It's so, so important. You can, not only will you collect emails when you're at an art fair, like super fine showing your work. Yes, collect emails and write them down, each of them on one card. And on the other side, you might want to write down a little note about who that person was, what they were interested. And if you send a personal follow-up, it'll be so exciting for people to get in touch with the artist who remembers them and their dog's name or whatever. So that's so exciting about Superfine. And then other art fairs is I always tell people, artists really, there are so many different pockets in the art world and you want to make sure that you're going to be in the correct pocket. This idea of pockets in the art world, I'm not the first one to think of it. Uh, There was a very awesome artist advisor back in the day. I think he was based in Chicago. I think his name was Paul Klein. David, I can't, someone Klein. Uh, And he was great. (laughs) And I heard him speak and he said this pocket thing. And I always, I never really put my finger on it. But yes, every single art fair is like a little microcosm. And you want to make sure that you're targeting the right microcosm, which is why it's so important for you to go to art fairs and connect to the ones that you really like, that make you feel good. I think this wraps really nicely with one of your earlier points about positioning and placement. And when you mentioned like the Neiman Marcus versus the Target kind of model, there aren't a ton of art fairs for artists out there in the, in the U.S., but there are a few and you got to kind of look at what aligns with your goals, what you want. And I loved everything you said about Superfine. Thank you. By the way, this is not rehearsed and Marina is not on our payroll, but we really, really, really appreciate it. Um, these are a lot of our mantras too about, you know, obviously collecting emails is huge, huge, huge. Just in general, you know, using this as a platform and a jump off point to really build a career. We've, we've seen a lot of artists do that. So I, I'm really glad that you brought that up, Marina. So that does wrap us up. And to all of you business artists out there, Marina has been dropping advice bombs left and right here free of charge. And we cannot thank her enough for that. If you want to connect with Marina for a free assessment call and learn more about what she can offer for driven entrepreneurial artists, you're definitely going to want to give her a shout. You can follow her and shoot her a DM on Instagram at the underscore artist underscore advisory or you can visit www.theartistadvisory.com to book your free assessment call. As always, remember that we're Super Fine Art Fair on Instagram. And if you want to give us a quick hello or learn more about how to apply for and exhibit at one of our upcoming fairs in New York City or around the United States, just drop us a line at artistsmakingmoney at superfine.world. That's artistsmakingmoney at superfine.world. As always, I'd like to end the class by sharing a quick quote with you all. And the quote is, the greater danger for most of us lies not in setting our aim too high and falling short, but in setting our aim too low and achieving our mark. That's Michelangelo. Marina, it has been such a pleasure having you with us this afternoon. Thank you for being here. Everyone else, have an awesome rest of your day. And remember to stay on top of your artist business plan, get out there and make it happen. Thanks again. Thank you so much. It was my pleasure being here. (laughs) We love having you. 
Thanks for joining us for another episode of The Artist Business Plan, a weekly business podcast for artist entrepreneurs brought to you by Superfine Art Fair. Hosted by Superfine CEO Alex Mito and co-founder slash professional artist James Milley, join us and leaders in the art, marketing, and business arenas each week for tips, tricks, and value bombs designed to help you thrive and sell more art. For more information on applying to Superfine Art Fair, as well as recordings of this in all of our past podcasts, just visit www.superfine.world. We love to hear what you have to say, so just follow us on Instagram at Superfine Art Fair and shoot us a message to let us know you're listening. Looking for a more personal connection or want to exhibit at an upcoming fair? Just shoot us an email at artistsmakingmoney at superfine.world and we'll get right back to you. That's artistsmakingmoney at superfine.world. Thank you.